All right, uh, what's happening, you guys here? Uh, my name, for those who don't know, my name is Robert Wilkenbrod. I am soon to be starting up a thing called Wilken Media here. Well, Wilken Media is a, it's going to be a video editing service here that's going to edit things for small businesses and individuals looking for something here. Um, looking for content to be put together and whatnot. But another part of it is going to be these media talks, which I wasn't actually planning on doing tonight. But as I was watching The Last Dance on ESPN as it was airing its ninth and tenth episodes, I figured, you know what? Such a topic of conversation here has been about the portrayal of Michael Jordan here and how he was going to portray himself in his own financed and put together documentary. I mean, this is all his footage that was brought around and used from that 1998 season called The Last Dance. So I want to get I want to get into this here uh, because this is something this is something that's been a topic on Twitter for the past five weeks. And I want to know just like, yeah, I, or I just want to dive into a little bit. Just as just how he yeah, just the idea of like how he made himself look. And this is also going to go to on our social platforms, along obviously with Instagram here, which will be cut up at some point. It will go up on YouTube when I'm able to get a YouTube account for this. It will go up on Facebook, uh, Twitter, TikTok, all social platforms across the board, which I plan on further unleashing out. Uh, you can follow them all at Woken Media right now. So... Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to go into for this. So even if you're not listening to this live, this will still be put out on all different kinds of media for related to this. So yeah, let's get right into it. So with the Michael Jordan produced and put together uh, documentary, while there was always. I was always really excited for this. I was always looking forward to this 10-episode super series of the, those 90s Bulls, the career of Michael Jordan. I also thought, too, how is he going to portray himself? What's he going to allow? What's he going to allow in this? Because he can control the narrative. He can control the narrative in this. That's good and that's bad. The good part of it is that he can get anyone who, anyone involved in it who he wants anyone who's anyone he can, he's got connections his name is Michael Jordan he'll get people from anywhere to come out and talk about him the only other thing in the, is is him giving approval to everything that's put in there and also him possibly leaving out people who could have had a bigger say in this now of course there's also participants or possible to participants for this documentary that could have just said no. But Michael Jordan had a lot of gripes over the years, as we learned in this documentary. He also left out some things too, which people on Twitter brought up, and it was kind of kind of clear, kind of kind of blatant a little bit. I would have, like for example, wanted to hear more about his family life. That was. X'd out besides his relationship with his parents and specifically his father who was murdered in 1993. I would have really wanted to hear about his first marriage and a little more about his kids, a little more about his life because while this was the Bulls basketball documentary, this was the Michael Jordan life documentary. 
I want to know more about Michael Jordan, his life. Now, we got we did get plenty of stuff of him off the court, but it seemed like they really went in on this being an on-the-court thing about what was going on with the 90s Chicago Bulls. Now, I don't have an issue. I don't really have a big issue with that because it, it's still a basketball thing, but I would have loved to hear a little more about what Michael Jordan was like with his first marriage, his dynamic and with his kids, I mean, we were getting the the curtain pulled on Michael Jordan here for his entire career and a little bit of his of his life behind the scenes there. I will, so I would have liked to explore that. And I just figured, like, why why not? Why not? Maybe that was contemplated. I'm just speculating here. Maybe that was contemplated when the when the last dance was being put together, but not something that obviously came to fruition here. So, uh, but it also, I guess if you want to say, also painted Jordan's basketball career, everything that went on very well, even the hardest parts of it, including the gambling that integrated into his basketball career and interactions with teammates. I thought it touched on a very good-hearted side of the interactions with teammates. And yeah, he teared up too about it. But we also didn't get the side of how teammates reacted to it to this a lot, or or a teammate who didn't love the way how Jordan treated him. I would have really liked to hear a little more about that too, because sure, some I sure yeah, people were probably rubbed fine by being criticized and uh, and told to do better by Michael Jordan. I mean, one of yeah, greatest basketball player ever, I would say. And there's a whole LeBron MJ debate going on here, but Jordan, yeah, yeah. I I wanted to hear a little more criticism of how he was treating other players on his team or others around him. Now, the closest thing we got for that was Isaiah Thomas, but he that what and that could have been his teammate. Yeah, sure for Team USA and the Dream Team in 1992. But his teammates that were riding along with him for his NBA career. I would have loved to hear more, a little more about that. But uh, criticisms aside on that part, and along with how this, again, very painted uh, Jordan's life very, very, very positively, positively in the NBA, I thought it really... St- took a nice dive into how everyone else was portrayed, really. And yeah, Jordan was portrayed in other ways too throughout this, but what we got out of Steve Kerr in the final editions here of The Last Dance, what we got out of Dennis Rodman going a little more behind the scenes, and probably my favorite episode, the Scottie Pittman episode, what we learned, the emotion behind it, and just how much of a figure Scottie Pittman was that we probably never realized or people who didn't watch nineties basketball are now realizing it's amazing. It's amazing. Sky Pippen. I look at him differently now after this documentary for the experiences he went through with his home life, dealing with two family members that were in wheelchairs to injuries along the way to the contract. He took early on in his career, which was seven years, 18 million when he could have made a whole hell of a lot more down the line. I, it really changed my perspective on him 
It changed my way of how I'm looking at him now, rather than always hearing about how he's just a second fill of the Jordan, all the questions about him and whatnot. I really enjoyed hearing more about Scottie Pippen, the person, and some of the hardships he went through on the court, especially in that 1998 NBA Finals when he was dealing with injury, too. And I, yeah, I, I liked hearing about him. I liked hearing plenty about him. I thought that was well-deserved. Jordan and his, uh, his producing team there gave Scottie Pippen a lot of leeway for stuff in there, which was great. I loved it. I thought that was really cool. And they gave Steve Kerr his, his own avenue, talking about his father's passing. They gave Tess Rodman plenty of avenue in the stock, to say the least. I think Jordan just loved having the topics of Dennis Rodman thrown out there for how just how crazy he was, how wild and insane he was from everything that happened uh, in Vegas to his trip to be on a WCW show. I think, I think it was during the, the NBA finals and he, how he wasn't there for practice wild. <laughs> so I, I got to figure that, uh, that yeah, Jordan really, really loved talking about Dennis Rodman and really, really, really loved having him feature on here. Why, why the hell not, right? And <laughs> another one, <laughs> another player, maybe in a less regard or a less prominent status, Scott Burrell. Scott Burrell, <laughs> aside from Jerry Krause, which we're going to get into next year, it was the punching bag of... <laughs> of this documentary. Scott Burrell was a short-term member of the Bulls, but my God, was Jordan cruel to him. Absolutely cruel to him from the first episode that Burrell is featured in to the last one, which is, was tonight. Everything. Oh, my God. That guy was tortured. That guy went through the ringer. <laughs> it was something, something, something crazy. Something was just like, wow, this is like a bullying PSA for 1996, 7, and 8, or, or 97, 98, whatever he was around there for. It was quite the story being told of him, and, and he went through hell, and I am actually kind of surprised that we did not hear more from him in the last dance here. And then we should get to probably, yeah, the villain of the last dance which he was made the villain. He was made the villain until the very final episode. Jerry Krause, the general manager, he was painted in that certain light here from the first episode and on about how he was the guy who wanted to tear down the Bulls. He was the guy who wanted to tear down what was five championships before they even went to the sixth title. He wanted to fire Phil Jackson, bring in Tim Floyd. He and owner Jerry Reinsdorf wanted to break everything down, take out Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, maybe Dennis Rodman had every reason to for, for what was shown, Steve Kerr, all the, and a whole bunch of other guys involved there because Krauss wanted to rebuild this team. He saw aging talent. He saw, yeah, these guys getting older, some injuries coming about. But why, why have the party end while everyone's still having fun? It's not. It wasn't over yet. It was not over yet. You don't break up a party while it's still going on and while people are still having fun. There's five titles. He made his assumption immediately. Five titles. 
That's it. Done. Phil Jackson, this is your last season, 1997-1998. Thus, the last dance, which, which Phil documented and named himself. So, Krauss was the evil figure behind all this here. Now, he, he still tore down this team after that sixth and final title. As we saw, and as we saw the explanation for at the end of episode 10, which Reinsdorf even talked about a little bit too, how he just felt it wouldn't have been possible to keep everyone around together for paydays and other reasons given. But you ride it until it can't go any further. Or, yeah, which could involve people leaving via free agency, could involve other, other decisions in it. But the portrayal in there was that Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf wanted to pull this apart. And they were scrutinized heavily because, as we saw throughout this, Jordan disagreed. Jordan very much disagreed with this. So, thus, we have Jerry Krause, the ultimate villain, until Scottie Pippen finally says that Jerry Krause was the greatest general manager of all time. So, it took a narrative that went... Low and it just quickly shot to the top for for a second, for a split second. You didn't get that much of it, but got a li- little dose of praise for Jerry Krause, which I should say the fact that he did he did trade for Sky Pittman, he did bring a lot of these role players in, he did draft Tony Kukoc years ahead of he was when he was able to come over to the NBA. He did a lot of good things. His but what he's always going to be remembered for is being the one to break up this team before it probably should have been broken up at least by a year and valuing the organization over the team, even with Michael Jordan, even with Scottie Pippen, even with Phil Jackson as the head coach there and with this fascination for Tim Floyd. So Jerry Krause, great general manager, not a great people person in this regard, it's a shame that he passed away in 2017 because if we had the chance to hear from him a lot more recently in this doc, we could have gotten more of his side of the story rather than getting just Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner. Whatever Krauss would have had to say would have been compelling. Unfortunately, we're never going to get that. So, yeah. So, I want to quickly address is view of Michael Jordan's quote-unquote flu game, which we finally learned was not the flu. That conspiracy theory that we've see, seen and heard of for years, it was not the flu. It was it was food poisoning, as some acted before. He had a bad pizza in Salt Lake City the night before, brought over by five pizza delivery guys. Five. Who has ever had a pizza delivered by five people? Celebrity or not? Five people show up. That's suspicious. That's sneaky. But now, it's a whole different light we need to look at with this flu game now, or pizza game now. We can't call it the flu game anymore. There was no flu-like symptoms. This was food poisoning. Food poisoning. He had bad pizza, but he yet he played through it, vomiting and all that stuff. That whole feat is tremendous because he was on an IV, getting fluids, and he was in horrible shape. This was the 1997 NBA Finals. He was Michael Jordan was in horrible shape. But we can't call this the flu game. But at the same time, what are we what are we going to call that now? So it wasn't the flu game. It was the 
poison pizza game? Food poisoning game? The five pizza delivery guys sending over our bad pizza game? So what the hell is this game? But we're still gonna call it the flu game anyway because it sounds better than the poison pizza game. Kind of wild. It's now that brings up a whole bunch of other questions here because th these five guys now, what pizza joint were they from? Why, why did they decide to do this? What did they do to, to poison him? Are we ever going to find out who these five guys are? There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of questions here. It doesn't really matter that much, but it's a lot here that I want to know more of. I just simply want want to know more of. We'll probably never find out, but it's a really fascinating thing that I hope someone digs into at some point. Because now that whole idea of the flu game is it's the food poisoning game. We finally found that out. Now, I want to go back and, and over the past 23 years and find out if there was any inter interviews call from Bulls players and whatnot calling this the flu game. No, it was not the flu game. Maybe did they know it was food poisoning? I don't know, but that wasn't addressed. But yeah, food poisoning. Wild stuff. Absolutely wild. Even though we kind of had a hunch, just hearing about it was a whole other thing. The Last Dance had its certain portrayals here it portrayed everyone it yeah portrayed michael jordan extremely positively but flawed which people saw through the flaws of it portrayed scotty pippen i thought probably better than anyone else not named michael jordan it gave phil jackson a lot of room it gave steve kerr room reinsdorf and Kraus were the two ultimate villains here. Scott Burrell was a punching bag, and with how big of a document, with how big of an avenue this documentary has, especially in the times we're living in right now, this is gonna. These ideas and portrayals of these figures are what we're gonna be remembering for quite a while. We're gonna be remembering them, and it's gonna stick. It's gonna stick, and it's gonna be talked about in the media here in the coming days and weeks because we got really nothing else to talk about for sports wise here. So it's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of juicy information we got, but it's going to lead into how things are viewed now for however long it is here that we're going to be going without any live sports. And for however, and for however long we can keep this conversation going could die out this week. It could die out later this month it could die out by june it could never die out but the last dance really created new narratives even for people who did see the chicago bulls in the 90s live in person or follow along on tv so but for people like me who were born in 1994 and were not able to experience the bulls because i was just too young at the time this was a fascinating learning experience for me and how i how I feel I'm going to view some of these figures in the last dance for my, for me as someone who's been into sports and me who's someone who currently writes about basketball and as a fan of the sport, fan of the game. So, so yeah, for this first impromptu media talk, I did not think we would be talking about sports here to say the least. I thought we would be going in another avenue, but this is relevant. This is relevant information. This is what people are talking about. So I wanted to bring this as quickly as I could. So we'll be pushing this out. 
on all different forms of media, as I noted earlier. TikTok, Instagram here, Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. There's gonna be it's gonna be going everywhere. I hope you follow along with us, and we're only getting ready to start our journey here because my website's still not ready yet. It was ready before I thought it would be for my little uh, small business venture here. So, but yeah, we got a lot of good stuff coming here, and I hope you join us for the ride. And I hope you stay with us as we do these media talks, which are going to feature a lot of me here, obviously. And along with guests along the way who are going to be talking about things around the media landscape. Whether it's social media, whether it's sports media like we did here. Whether it's more newsy news around like the COVID-19 pandemic. Whether it's entertainment around the consumption of television and movies. We have a lot of stuff coming here. We're going to have a lot of insightful people here. And I hope you tune in for it. Thank you for listening or watching. And stay tuned for more uh, at Wilkin Media across our platforms here, except for Instagram, which is at Wilkin Media underscore. Thank you, and keep on following along. <laughs>